0: Lord, we just want to thank you. You truly are a great God. Father, we're just reminded that even 2,000 years ago, you came down when you did not need to. And you surrendered everything you had that we might know you, that we might know there is a God that loves us, that reaches out to us, that will deliver us and save us, Lord. Father, we are not ashamed of this good news. And so this morning, Father, even as you speak to us, as you speak to me, Lord, let us be reminded, remind me, Lord, that I should never be ashamed that I put my trust in you. And Lord, help us to do that this morning with the help of the Holy Spirit and all God's people say, amen, amen. Praise God. Come on, let's just give Jesus such an awesome, awesome, uh, really praise. You know, this morning, even as uh, I've been thinking about this for a while, and you know, in a this year has been an awesome year, really an awesome year. There's been so much victories, so much breakthroughs, so much healing, and even so much uh, blessings that I've heard people receive. And one of the things, therefore, in the midst of all that, I'm truly conscious of those whose prayers have not been answered. I'm also truly conscious that even for those of us who serve the Lord, that some of our prayers are not answered. And, and one of the things, therefore, that really began to uh, because I, I really feel for people whose prayers are not answered. And one of the them in particular was actually one of the heads of our uh, healing and deliverance ministry and she's one of my prayer leaders. And even as we have been praying and we see victories even in our nation, even in the lives of so many people, you know, this dear sister of ours, she suddenly goes back home to Kuching and discovers she has cancer. And even as she has it's in fact, it's quite an advanced stage, suddenly out of nowhere. Do you know something? In the midst of that, I really must ask myself, what is God saying to us? It is in the midst of all that that I begin to wrestle with the truths of God. You know, as a believer, God never expects us not to treat Him as relevant to every part of life. In fact, One of the most important things we must remember when you're a believer is that in the midst of difficult situations, we must ask difficult questions. So what happened is that I began to ponder over this phrase that is found in Psalm 25. And this Psalm that's found in Psalm 25 is really that I wanted to put the title of my sermon today, the whole of that phrase. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, all right? So turn with me just to read Psalm uh, 25 for just a short while. You can read it on that version. And why, why don't we all read it together, shall we? Psalm 25, I've just given you a few verses only. And just read this verse together, shall we? One, two, three. In you, Lord, my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. But shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are my God, my Savior. And my hope is in you all day long. Amen. Amen. Powerful verses, but this is actually a very powerful psalm, but I'm not going to use this psalm to really take us through this journey. I just want this phrase, no one who puts his hope in you will ever be put to shame. Now, before I go any further, I'm going to ask some of you a difficult question. How many of you, you have prayed and you have hoped in God for certain things or people, but your prayers are still not answered? I I actually have to put up my hand for that. A lot of us. Now, I want you to remember this. Even as we go through this journey with the Lord, God is saying to us, you will never be ashamed that you have put your hope in me. Many people put their hopes in all kinds of things. But one thing God wants to assure us, we will not be ashamed. Now, the question is this. What makes us ashamed of God? And I thought about it. Three things can make us ashamed that we put our hope in God. The first is this. We have put our hope in Him, but we do not see the light. We are going through struggles. (coughs) Our prayers are still not answered. In fact, you know what? Not only have we put our hope in God, the second thing is that we've followed God's ways. When people said, no, you should just forsake him, you should just divorce him, you should just leave this home, you should just not obey God anymore in this area of your life, or you should be unrighteous, you should should just curse when people are screaming at you, when bosses are putting you down, you should just be angry, you should just resort to the ways of the world, but you have stood firm. And you have held on to the ways of the Lord. Or even, you know, sometimes I have known this myself. Uh, of Many of my, my I, I look after the ladies, Some many of my ladies, they, they, want to, they want to believe in God. So they have kept on even trusting God. Not only just trusting, reading their Bibles at home. And the husbands are like scorning them, it's beginning to ridicule them, and even beginning to choke. Tro- Water upon that fire in their heart. And even as these ladies keep coming to church or keep coming to, you know, my ladies, they, they actually really built the prayer altars in the afternoon. How do you do that? As the husbands begin to make life difficult for them, how can they keep faith in God, obeying God's ways, and really seeing others who don't follow God's ways? Their husbands are nice to them. Life goes on better. It's more rosy. How do you not feel a little bit ashamed thirdly is that your friends will begin to say to you you're a foolish person who on earth can trust in a God like that the way you believe in fact I've heard people say to me the way you keep on believing the Bible you are naive come on wake up life is not just the Bible so in the midst of all that sometimes we may feel a bit maybe not necessarily ashamed is it, really, is it really true? No one who puts their hope in God will never be put to shame. Now, it's in the midst of that conflict in my heart, not that I had any major, major things to go through, but I feel for my people. I feel for people who go through all these things. And I wrestle with the Lord because I, I begin to say, Lord, this verse came to me as I heard about Shuhui's illness. This verse came to me as I heard about people struggling with friends who are telling them, you are foolish to put your hope in this kind of God. Life is real, and he is not, almost implying. As I struggle with this, and I think about it, God began to lead me towards a powerful story in the book, in the Bible, which you know about, and it's the book of Exodus, and it's the crossing of the Red Sea. How many of you have seen uh, this film, uh, done by uh, Cecil DeMille's and Charlton Heston is Moses. Have you? How many of you? Well, Isaac, you've seen. Uh, you were not born yet when that film was made. You know, I was so tempted to show the film. I was so tempted. It was, in fact, I have two videos to show. And I thought, like, do I show this or do I show that? Maybe I should have shown this. Huh? It was. It's a powerful video. You know, that in this video, Charlton Heston go whoa, whoa, oh, of the oh, and. Then, and then, you see the people and the chariots go rushing in. It is a powerful, powerful film and and, and please be like Isaac, go into the YouTube and watch it, even if you can just watch the trailer. Uh, Maybe I should have shown it, it's really, really powerful. But as I thought about this whole story, in fact, of course, I wasn't watching the film, I went back to read this story in Exodus chapter 14. Allow me just to read some verses, All right. So let's start in Exodus 14, Uh, I'm just going to read the first few verses and then we'll just fast forward. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back. Now, where were they? In verse, in chapter 13, they are in this place, Succoth, all right, Succoth. And now uh, God says to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and then camp near Pi-Hakiroth between Migdol and the sea. And they are to camp by the sea directly opposite baal Zephon." Now, why do I read this? The context of this story is that here is God has come to the children of Israel and the children of Israel have been in Egypt for 400 years and the time has come for God to bring deliverance to them. In other words, a promise that God had given them, even to their forefathers, was that they would possess the promised land of Canaan. But actually, they were not in the promised land of Canaan. They were in Egypt. And not only were they in Egypt, they were slaves in Egypt. Now that is really, they had put all their hope in God, but now they're slaves in Egypt. And it's in the midst of the slavery in Egypt that God begins to appear. And God takes hold of Moses. And through Moses, through many signs and many wonders, 10 uh, miracles actually, God brings them out of Egypt and now takes them to a position uh, that is really... Succoth is actually somewhere here, if you can see that. And actually, they should just be able to cross across this little uh, isthmus and get into Sinai. That was, I mean, it looked a perfectly easy crossing. They were meant to just cross over like that. And yet, here it is. They put all their hope in God, but suddenly, God gives a strange command. He tells them, turn away from Succoth and move down to this position which now faces the Red Sea. What on earth is God doing? It is at a moment like that, that we begin to ask ourselves, or the Israelites begin to ask ourselves, who is this God that we have put our hope in? What kind of a God is He? How come this God tells me to choose a way that is between the devil and the deep blue sea? It's actually a way... Of, I mean in natural terms is no way out It's a way of destruction It's a way of death And that is what happened to the Israelites They were caught in this situation Where they were now between Pharaoh's forces coming after them And the, sea, the Red Sea And even as they do that This is what they said So you look at verse 15, 15, uh, 10 to 14 Alright So I'm just going to read this uh, to you As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and they began to panic when they saw that the Egyptians were overtaking them. And they cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Indeed, didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us continue to be slaves into the Egyptians. It is better to be a slave in Egypt than a, to die here in the wilderness, to be a corpse in the wilderness. Look at the thrust of this, what they were saying. This kind of problem will really come to us, or this kind of situation can come to us, and we begin to wrestle with, our friends will say to us, why are you so foolish? Why do you continue to put your hope in God, when actually the way you're going, when everybody is saying, yeah, just get out of this job. Just get out of this marriage. Just get out of this uh, situation. Don't 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 continue to be stuck in there. The way you are stuck in there, you will never get anywhere. You will never see a promotion. You will never see something come out of this marriage. You will never see something come out of your situation. Why do you keep serving God? Why do you continue to be a cell leader? Why do you continue to do these good works? Uh, uh, Why don't you realize you don't have time for these things? Everybody's moving on in life. It is better to be a slave to the Egyptians than to die as a corpse in the wilderness. In the NIV, it says, you, I'll just read it to you in the NIV. It says there, didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. It is better to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Very often, when we are put, in a, put into a corner, when everything is around us is not going well, Actually, inside us, we hear the taunts of our friends. You're serving God. You're so faithful to God. You're even giving up so much of your time to believe in Him, to go to prayer altars, to to faithfully go to church every Sunday. You know what? It is better to serve the real world out there than to serve the Lord. And the word serve is to worship, to revere Him, to continue to love Him, to continue to be devoted to Him. Now, of course, we know that Moses stood up and began to answer the people. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Now, it's easy to say that in the Bible. But when you're going through, all, let's say for years you've been praying for this desire of your heart. For years, they've been praying, let's say, for something that you long for, a child to come back, a, a, a husband to be changed. Even the barrenness of our womb to, to, be, to be brought forth, you know, to bring forth some a fruit. Our, our work, for years, we've been struggling in it. We've been in this contract for so long. In the midst of that, how do we keep our hope alive? How do we stand firm and not feel and the shame of bearing the cross? How do we continue to trust God? How do we continue to put our hope in God? So I thought about it. You know, I'll tell you what happened, just to tell you. So I was thinking about this and I wrestled with it. And it's only recently that I was in Kuching with Pastor Chu. Uh, because I've never been to the Gampuru Basai, but uh, the Ibans have this huge gathering every year and they bring them together, and they, it's a wonderful gathering where they put their hope in God, you know. And uh, I decided to go this year because next year we're going to do a big rally in Kuching, all right? Everybody remember next year. Everybody say we're going to Kuching next year. <laughs> wow. They're not excited, but you know, actually, I want to thank you. All. A lot of people have bought tickets already to go to Kuching and and also run now, And then, Pastor Chu loves to say that run now is the mother of all battles. And I'm like, Oh my freaking out now! I'm freaking out, you know, I'm freaking out now. They that put their hope in God will never be put to shame. But oh dear, how, 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 how will we be put to shame? You know, how will the battle go? You know, I'm a real person, I never look at life from the super spiritual no, it can be done. This gang wholeness that's not me. If you know me, of course, on stage, I look that. But in reality of life, I deal with the realities face to face. I'm a very real person. I just did a whole lot of training with a group of workplace people. And I told them, until you can face the realities of God, you will never find out how real is your God. Amen. And that is why I truly believe in discipling the young children. In fact, next year's theme for the children's ministry is a real God in a real world. Is this God worthy of our hope? And if we put our hope in him, what what will be the result? What will be the outcome of it? So even as I wrestled with this, I was in Kuching. And of course, uh, don't tell Kuching people. If you're from Kuching, just close your ears now. And uh, as we went there, it was very good because they gathered all the pastors from different, different churches to come. And one of uh, even Catholic bishops were there, Anglican bishops were there. And we're so excited about what we're about to do. But then came the moment when Pastor Chu told me to share a little bit about prayer. As I shared a little bit about prayer altars, they looked at me a little bit like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, this sounds so strange to us, but okay, I'll just give you the benefit of the doubt. Just um, yeah, just allow you to speak for five minutes. But uh, what was happening was that even as we attended the Gamburu Besai, now this is an example where I totally believe in the building of prayer altars. It is a way of God that I totally believe that brings in the presence of God and allows the people of God to be discipled to follow God faithfully. That's how I look at prayer altars. In in a nutshell, that's a prayer altar. But as I went into the Gampura side, it was obvious to me that prayer was not a lifestyle to this group of people. And so to tell you the truth, I began to think, oh gosh, we only have about nine months to do this rally. How do you even start, begin to train these people on prayer? You see, in, in Sabah, we had three years runway to train them on prayer altars, three years runway. Every, for the last three years before last, this year, 2018, we have been going to Sabah, training and building prayer altars, and today we have something like 26 to 28 prayer mountains in Sabah, so it's a lot easier. But when we look at the situation in Kuching, I was a bit like, okay, they that hope in the Lord will never be put to shame. I hope we won't be put to shame. I really hope this whole thing will turn out fine. But do you know, it was in the midst of that, as I began to use a simple word, worry, all right? And it's good to worry a bit. God spoke to me. You know how you put your hope in me? You don't put your hope in me because these people will definitely be able to pray. You don't put your hope in me because you and, your, and the whole of SIBKL is able to change their attitude in pray. No. He said something that was so powerful into my heart. And God began to say this. You put your hope in me because my love for the state of Sarawak, for the people of Sarawak, has existed before you were born. And my love never fails. Wow, come on. How many of you believe that? When God spoke that, it lifted the whole perspective of where my hope should go. My hope should not be placed on our abilities to be faithful in training them. My hope should not be based on the ability of the Ibans to get it right. My hope should not be based on Whether we got our processes together right or not, God begins to say, put your hope in me. And above all, what about God? Three things about God. Firstly, that is His love that will be evident. It is His love that is there. It is not my love for them. It is not our love for them. It is not our ability to do anything. But the love that God has for the nation of Malaysia existed long before we were born. Way back in 1920s, the Lord sent missionaries to this island in Borneo when they were headhunters and the Iban tribe is truly a headhunting tribe. And even as we begin to see them celebrate in their simplicity, simply love God, the Lord spake to my heart, you know what? It is my love for them and I will ignite a love that they will never be able to reckon with. And not only that, God began to say, I am faithful. He who began a good work 80, 90 years ago, will bring it to completion. Amen? Amen? If you have believed Jesus 20 years ago, don't stop believing Jesus because it's not about you believing Jesus. It's about Jesus saying, you know what? I love you and I'll never let you go and I'll be faithful to the very, very, very end. And not only that, my plans, it will always be victorious. Always be victorious. You know, when we look at this whole story in Exodus, uh, actually today I don't have a time to just go bit by bit into this story. Why I like the story in Exodus is that they went through a lot of things in, in, as, they, as, they, as they went through the, the fear. You know, you really should see the Charlton Heston thing, the, the, the film. And Maybe I should have just shown the film. I was thinking, if I just show the film, I don't need to preach, you know, and just tell you how good the film is. But, you know, that film is powerful. Today they don't make such films, la you know. And even as you look at the whole story and you go back to read it, God began to teach me, you must understand that I am a loving God. What gave Moses the ability to stand still and to keep trusting God? Because when God said to him, lift up your staff, the Lord said to Moses in verse 15, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites, move on. Raise your staff. Why was Moses able to obey God and keep trusting God? Even he too could see the Egyptian army coming against him and the might of the Egyptian army. All of the Egyptian army, Pharaoh was leading the army. He could see that. What helped Moses stay on? Actually, you find it in his song later on because he says this in chapter 15, as the, after the deliverance, when you get a glimpse, of what Moses began to focus on. He says that, praise be to God. And I, I just wanted to give you a little bit more because what will keep you focusing on God? What will keep you not being ashamed of God is our focus on God. So he begins to say, who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? You stretch out your right hand and the earth swallowed them. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. And in your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. Why don't we sit, read this verse together, shall we? One, two, three. Now, just read it strong while I have a drink, okay? With your unfailing love, you feed the people you have redeemed. In your might, you guide them to your reside dwelling. You know, one of the powerful things is that even as we go through trials, you know, I, I, I met Shu Hui in, in, in Kuching. I spent some time with her. Even as she's going through a chemotherapy and all this, the joy within her heart, oh, the radiance on her face puts me to shame. Puts me to shame. You know why? Her focus is not on, "Wow, well, poor me, I'm now sick with cancer, even though I did so much for God. Poor me, poor me. It's not. It's on the Lord. And that's when the Lord reminded me, what can separate us from the love of God? Why don't we read this together, shall we? The key verse is still, what can separate us from the love of God? So let's read this together, shall we? One, two, three. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is our power to Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death. Nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the paths of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if you agree, say it aloud, Amen, Amen, Amen. What can separate me? The Lord reminded me. What can separate me from the love I have for you? Can tribulation? Can distress? Can hardship? Can worries? Can anything separate me? Do you not know that nothing can separate me? I'm, and, and I love this. Huh? When God says nothing can separate me from you, uh, from my love for you, He means that He's faithful in His love. He's not ever going to give up on us. He's totally committed to us. He will see us through whatever seeing us through will mean. He is not ever going to be separated. If you think about separation, it will never happen. If you think about jam and butter and two pieces of bread, that even can be separated. But in the our relationship with God, nothing can separate us of the love of God. What can we be ashamed of? Who can ever take God's love away from me? And that is what lifts me and says, Wow, Lord, I can never be ashamed of your love for me. You know, many, many years ago, way back in Sabah, in the 19 about 85, 86, when, when a powerful move of the Holy Spirit came, and that's when I was filled with the Holy Spirit. We went to visit a girl. We used to do, uh, visit people in hospital and pray for them. And there was this girl lying in bed, and she had terminal SLE. Terminal SLE is really bad. In terminal SLE, it goes systemic lupus erythematosus, it goes into the brain. And when it goes into, by the time it reaches the brain, she was like a piece of wood, a log, and almost like an inanimate object. Her eye tears, the lacrimal ducts no longer secrete tears. She cannot blink her eyelids. She cannot cry, she cannot smile, she's totally immobile, she cannot even eat. She has to be tube fed, she cannot do anything, she cannot be turned, so she lies on a log. And even as she laid on the log, like a a piece of log, uh, L-O-G, even as she laid there, and I thought to myself, and I'm so infant, I've just been filled with the Spirit, I know nothing about praying for the sick. and even as I saw her lying there, and, and all of us very new in the Spirit saw her lying there, One word came from the Lord, Romans 8, the verses that you just read. What can separate me from this girl's, my love for this girl? Do you think her disease can separate me from my love for her? Do you think anything at all, even the fact that this disease is so terminal, that death may come upon her? Do you think it can separate me from my love for her? I was so touched. I thought to myself, I cannot even communicate with her. As we were praying for her, it was like praying for a table, an inanimate an object. It was almost like useless to pray for her. What can separate me? I mean, everything was separating our communication with her. But you know what? The Lord says, nothing separates me from her. Read this verse to her. Now I memorized this verse. So then, then, I began to proclaim over her, what can separate you from the love of God? Shall tribulation, hardship, famine, nakedness, peril, assault—nay, in all these things, we are more. I just read it, just read right up today. For I am convinced that nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God. Here was me, very naive in this whole thing about praying for the sick. But as I declared that verse, tears came down her eyes. Now it's impossible. In terminal SLE To have tears coming down the eyes And I jumped with joy Because suddenly the Lord says You see, nothing will separate me From the person Who has put their hope in me No terminal illness No despair, no shame Nothing, because I am not ashamed Of loving this girl And do you know the good news? Pass forward, three months later She was totally healed of SLE Three months later we never went back to visit her, but God reminded me. This story really lives a deep imprimatur at that moment when I declared this verse into, us, into her. Do you know something? It's God's love. We can never be ashamed of God's love and God's faithfulness. You know, let's talk about God's faithfulness a bit, uh, uh, God's love a bit. Look at this picture. I thought of putting this picture up for you. Because many of you, now I know all of you, are so. One, we have a wonderful church. Pastor Chiu and I are convinced that the best church in the world is SIBKL. Not because of us. Really not because of us. Because of our people. And when I heard this story of what the cell leader shared with me of her cell, this is one of my ladies' cell. And you know, sometimes we are called, we, we, we know that when we have God's love within us, we need to go out there and show love. But you know very often your love would be spurned? That people would think it's foolish to go out there and show love? Well, this group of girls, they are from Pearl Cell. This group of girls decided that the whole of last year, this year, I I think they've been doing it for more than a year, they decided to go an old folks' home, a Catholic old folks' home. And in this old folks' home, now this may not be the exact woman, there were some women who were so bitter, so bitter. Life had been so hard on them that they were so bitter that the moment the girls came to even bring cheer, bring food, and sing to them, this girl, this old woman, you have never seen an old woman filled with anger and hatred and bitterness. You need to go to some old folks' home. She was angry. She was venomous. Everything else, she shouted at the girls. She was angry, and she never even wanted to lift her head. But do you know something? That's why they that put their hope in God will never be put to shame. They that never put their hope in God's ways will never be put to shame. This group of girls consistently went. And, and my dear, uh, wonderful cell leader was telling me, you know, I began to read God's words to her. I began to sing to her simple songs, songs that we sing in Sunday school. That's why if you don't know how to sing simple songs, come and join us in kids' House. Jesus loved me, looking at the old woman, this I know for the Bible tells me so she did that faithfully never giving up hope slowly these women began to look up and smile and this is a picture of their Christmas celebration only last week look at this I I could only show you one I couldn't show you much more look at the smile isn't it wonderful these are neglected old women when people say to you, now I want to say this because some of you as cell leaders, you have worked really hard. Some of you as ushers, as traffic wardens, you have worked really hard. You have served. You have served because you, have, you, you, you believe in God's ways. And people might say, why is so foolish to serve like that? Why, you know, my sister once was serving so hard as a kid's teacher running a Sunday school and nobody wanted to do it. And my husband said to me, why are you so foolish doing that? Nobody else is doing it. Why don't you stop doing it? Do you know something? Don't stop doing it because God's love will never fail. Come on, let's give yourself a big round of applause. Amen. Give yourself a big round of applause. God is faithful. When we keep serving Him, when we keep worshipping Him, when we keep putting our hope in Him, it is not us that's faithful. God is faithful. He will bring forth fruit. Amen. Just to see the joy on these old folks' faces brought so much joy to me. And I myself began to say, hey, you know what? I will always want to keep serving the Lord and I will not give up on doing that which is right because God will turn up. Amen? Amen. His ways are not foolish. His ways are not stupid. His ways are not a waste of time. In fact, it's worthy to serve the Lord. Amen? So for those of you serving faithfully in the sound team, the media team, the worship team, the ushers, the traffic teams, and all you cell leaders and calls and every one of you who serve, say to yourself, my God is faithful. I will never be ashamed. Amen. Come on, let's say all this verse about God's faithfulness just to remind ourselves how faithful is our God. One, two, three. For the Lord is good and His love endures forever. The faithfulness continues through all generations. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping His covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love Him and keep his commandments. Even if we are faithless, everybody say, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Keep faith in God, because he is faithful. Keep having your hope in God. Keep praying. Only today, I, I just, just this morning, I was talking to a lady, um, and, and we have been praying with her for her son for many, many years now. For a few years, I don't know how long. And it's been a very difficult journey because there's no real breakthrough. But today, today, she told me there is a breakthrough. He's doing well. He's doing well in the United States. He's doing well. Come on, give Jesus a big clap offering. Amen. And, and you know, I want to tell you this. I want to tell you this. I, I don't know if the person even allowed me, but anyway, I'm not mentioning his name. This morning, Pastor Chu received this email of a brother of us, one of our brothers, who serves faithfully as a cell leader, his own leader. He serves faithfully. But you know what? In the midst of all that beautiful smile of serving, he's been going through a difficult, difficult work life. His boss, for the last three to four years, am I right? Every boss that came was determined to get rid of him. But you know what? I think this brother keeps putting his hope in God. And as he kept putting his hope in God, and not just in man and bosses and hoping that everything works. Do you know each of these terrible bosses, they actually were, they, they were sent away. Finally, a boss came. And this boss, now he has been faithful even as he keeps th- trusting God, hoping God, he keeps doing his work well. And so when this boss came in, This boss began to work with him on a project. And the good news is today, this he together with his boss won the biggest deal and contract their company has ever had. Come on. God is faithful. God is faithful. Turn to your friends and say, God is faithful. That's why in this story of the Exodus, I love this part. Now read, let me read this part or you can read it. You look at this uh, as, as the children of Israel, they are panicking. They have to cross this Red Sea. They don't know if God will turn up. They are now hemmed in between the Egyptian forces, the Egyptian army and the Red Sea. As they are hemmed in and as night sets in, I love this, the Lord was doing something. It says here, then the angel of God who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went before them. Now, even if we don't know, God is traveling with us. And the pillar of cloud also moved from in front, now it stood behind them. Indeed, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. And I love this, throughout the night. Everybody say, throughout the night. Everybody say one more time, throughout the night. Throughout the night. The cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other, so neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand towards the sea, and all that night, everybody say, all that night. Come on, everybody say, all that night. All that night. Come on, everybody say, all that, all that night. Do you know there are many things that happen in the night Night is when we despair. Night is when we cannot sleep. Night is when we we begin to give up hope. But in the night hours, when we are giving up hope, when we're in despair, who works? The Lord works. And so I love this verse. The Lord drove the sea back all that night while we were sleeping, while we were trying to worry, all that night with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. And the waters were divided. He split the seas that I can walk right through it. That's what God does, even in our despair, even in the night. And you know, that's why when I read this chapter, God said to me, it's important for you to know that in the darkness of your nights, you may think I'm not there, but I've been keeping watch over you. That's why I love Psalm one two one. to 1. The Lord who watches over Israel does not slumber nor sleep. In fact, you know, uh, my, my grandson was a little bit sick and all that. and I was a bit worried and all that. And, and as I prayed for him, the Lord says, you know what? You will fall asleep. But when I watch over him, I neither slumber nor sleep. Come on, give glory to God. Amen. Give glory to God. God is, is, is our God good? Is our God good? Yeah. So God is good. God, let's, we are not ashamed of our God because His love will never fail. Even our love can fail, and our love, people's love can fail, but God's love never fails. We can become faithless, but God remains faithful. But third thing is also important to remember. His plans are always for the long haul, always for good, and always victorious, even if we cannot see the end now. And there are three things we need to know about God's plans. Number one, God's plans are always for total redemption and salvation. It's always for the long haul and will always be victorious. Have you ever wondered and asked God this question? Now, when you read the Bible, don't just read. Ask some difficult questions. So I, when I read this story, I always I, I train my people, ask questions, don't just read. Ask questions. If God cannot be questioned, He cannot be a real God, all right? So I began to ask, God, why are you always like that? Why couldn't you have opened the Red Sea earlier? Could God have opened the Red Sea earlier? Long before the Egyptian army come near them. I mean, the moment they reach the Red Sea, when they reach the Red Sea, they actually see the ba-bam, it's open. They just continue to walk. Wouldn't that have been wonderful? Yeah, wouldn't that have been wonderful? And then you may say, Oh, God, why did you leave it to the last minute? Oh, God, you really stress us out. What if you did not open the Red Sea? Then we would be chased by the Egyptian army and then you open the Red Sea too late. Only 5% of us managed to cross. The remaining 95% is drowning in the Red Sea. Now, don't you think that's a good question? Do you ever ask God such questions? How many of you ask God such questions? Uh, You don't, you should ask that. I asked God that. And God began to speak to me. You must realize that when I work, I don't work like you. I work for perfect timing. The timing of the opening of the Red Sea had to be in so accurate that in the accuracy of that, the whole of the children of Israel would be able to cross through. Not one would be left behind, but that's not enough because God's plans are not just for good. It is for total victory against the enemy. So the Red Sea had also to stay open long enough For all of the Egyptian army, not just half, all would be inside the Red Sea and totally destroyed. That is the wisdom of God. That is how God works. Very often, when things are not going right, it's because we cannot see the long haul. We cannot see that his plans is for total redemption, total victory. And that's why we despair. But if you stay on hoping in God, you will see total victory. You will see total redemption. You will see salvation. Do you know, I just want to quickly tell you a story. So many stories to tell, you know. The problem is I can't remember the name of this girl. How awful am I, right? She told me an amazing, she's a faithful girl. She's one of our ushers. She goes to the Sunday morning prayer altars faithfully. But I'm very bad with remembering names. So Pastor Chu was saying, what's her name? Find out. Ask her to write the story. I said, I don't remember the name. How to tell you, how to tell the girl to write a story, right? She tells me this. When she became a Christian, her father was so angry that totally cut her off. Not only did he cut her off, would never allow her even to visit him. Not even to visit him. Even when he was sick, he wouldn't allow. But there came a point, I think it was this year, that the father became very, very sick and had to go to ICU. At that moment, the cell group was wonderful began to say to her, let's put the Father's name on our Sunday list of prayer people and let's put that name up there. And so they began to put his name up there and she meanwhile would faithfully continue to put her hope in God and pray for Father. Do you know that as they put the name up there, the following week, the Father came out of ICU. So don't don't treat these names lightly. Come on, we have put our hope in God. Amen. It's God's love for them. Even as you know, as you pray for each name, it's not our prayers alone. We are joining with God's love and faithfulness towards them. But that's not enough. So what happened now, because the father now is so sick, anyway, fathers who cannot say, you cannot come. So she managed to go and visit the father. And even as she visits the father, she did not even pray aloud. But she begins to continue to pray for the father. Now I'm going to cut a very long story short. Because that was like during the 40 days of prayer and fasting. The, the father had come out of ICU into the normal ward and slowly he regained his strength and he was getting to, ready to go home. So that was all I knew. But a few weeks later or even a month later, as I met her in a, as she was serving as an usher, she caught hold of me. Do you know what's the good news? Today, my father has received the Lord and my mother has also come to know the Lord and right now they're getting baptised in, I think, typing. Whoa, they that put their hope in God will never be put to shame. It took me 25 years before I saw my parents come to know the Lord. If I, understand say this, can we afford to be ashamed of God? Can we afford to be? If I had been ashamed of God as a young believer, 13 years old, one of in a non Christian home. My father is so brilliant, he thinks that only very weak people believe in Jesus. And my mother was such an idol worshiper that when I became a Christian, she was convinced I was the most unlo- disloyal, no filial piety. Was what is it? Uh, uh, that kind of cursed things came out of her mouth. She began to say that I was a really rebellious child and I was really not allowed even to read the Bible. But you know something? Faithfully, I kept my faith. Faithfully, I displayed that I believed in God. Now, my mother never let me go to church, but I praised God for the school at that time. Faithfully, we read the Bible. Today, my parents are in heaven because I was not ashamed of my God. There was a moment in my time when I was a Christian and and my, my mother is an idol worshiper. There was food offered to idols and I had to go to her praise God for my elder sister who also became a believer and asked and said, do you know what? Is it okay, mom, that we will not eat chicken because uh, for, during festivals? Do you know in those days, people are very poor. You only eat chicken during Chinese festivals. Do you know that? Uh, nowadays, you eat chicken every day. But in those days, you don't eat chicken every day. Only at festivals. So you know what? My mother said, You know what i say In other words, she was so despised but she was so angry with us. That she said, I don't care. You can die. But you know, it is this continued unashamed of the gospel that today my parents are in heaven. So I want to encourage you. Bring your friends to Christmas. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Let's say this verse as the Apostle Paul says, 1, 2, three, For I will not be ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. Maybe it says me first and then my family. Amen. And then my friends. I want to end by this. um, I want to say this. We are going to live in a world where it's going to be very difficult of us to continue to keep hoping in God, trusting God and being unashamed of our faith in God. The things we believe in is going to be very, very challenged. I want to read to you a poem that a 15-year-old girl wrote because in America today, it is almost, you will definitely be scorned and considered, even ridiculed if you continue to believe in Jesus. And she wrote this prayer, and I want to read this prayer to you because it shows, and this prayer was sent to me, and the title that the person sent to me says, Unashamed unashamed. Will you be ashamed of Jesus when the going gets tough? Will you be ashamed to pray when nobody is praying? Will you be ashamed to read the Bible when no one is reading the Bible? Will you be ashamed to talk about God's love when no one believes in a God of love? Will you be ashamed? So this girl writes this poem. Now look at it. Maybe you can read it with me too. Come, you may want to read with me. It's kind of a nice poem. One, two, three. Now I will sit me down in school Where praying is against the rule For this great nation under God Finds mention of him very odd If scripture now the class exa- recites It violates the Bill of Rights And any time my head I bow Becomes a federal matter now Our hands be purple Our hair be orange or green That's no offense It's a freedom scene The law is specific the law is precise Prayer spoken aloud is a serious vice For praying is a pu- in a public hall Come t- Help me, help me For praying in a public hall Sorry For praying in a public hall Might offend someone with no faith at all In silence alone we must meditate God's name is prohibited by the state We are allowed to cuss and dress like freaks And pierce our noses, tongues and cheeks They have not outlawed guns But first the Bible To quote the good book Makes me liable We can elect a pregnant senior queen And the unwed daddy Our senior king It's inappropriate to teach right from wrong We are taught that such judgmental Do not belong We can get our condoms and birth controls Study witchcraft Vampires and totem poles But the ten commandments are not allowed No word of God must each reach this crowd It's scary here I must confess When chaos reigns the school's a mess So Lord this silent plea I make Should I be shot my soul please take It's both funny and sober And I might end by saying this There will come a day that day that hope in God will not be put to shame Because on that day Jesus comes The only one that will last forever. Your friends may not last forever. The ridicule will not last forever. But Jesus lasts forever. On a day he comes, he says, Look, I'm coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and remains remains clothed so as not to go naked and be shamefully exposed. In other words, there will be a day when we need to meet Jesus. God forbid that He should be ashamed of us Amen So as we keep on hoping in God We will see final victory I was reading Revelations And I began to realise That the intensity of the wars ahead of us Are very intense But you know what? Who wins in the end? Jesus wins in the end He has the final victory We will not be put to shame How can we keep our focus in God? Just two things, three things You know, I believe so much in worship because it's when we worship that we saturate our hearts with love. This morning, even as, you know, this weekend, as he sang, Worthy is your name, Jesus. I began to think, God, you're worthy of my love because your love never fails. And even as you read the word, that's how we know God will turn out. For him victorious in the end Even if we don't see victory now He will, we will be victorious in the end Turn to your friend and says, We will be victorious in the end That's why we must hear testimonies Testimonies and courage and build hope Amen I ask you a question Do you think the daddy bear was watching all this all the time? You know, I, I, it, this is a powerful film Because it reminds me Even as we go through all these things we may think that our Father in Heaven doesn't know. That's why I love someone to man. I live up my eyes to the kill From whence does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. He does not. He who watches over me does not slumber nor sleep. So the Daddy Bear was probably there watching all the time. But why didn't the Daddy Bear intervene a bit sooner? Why leave it to the last minute? You know what? He needed the poor baby, the little baby cub Had to learn to find a roar He needed to find that he can face the enemy And he needed to know that God That his daddy would always be there behind him You know, so come on, give just Jesus a big clap offering The most important thing as we go through life Is to continue to put our hope in him And so even as we sing this beautiful song I want to say to all of us who may be going through difficult seasons in life and you're beginning to like lose touch with why you want to keep on believing in Jesus. And if you want to keep on believing in Jesus, I'm going to encourage you. This is how I do it. I always worship and I always read the Word. And as I worship, the glory of Jesus saturates my heart. And I'm absolutely convinced nothing can stop God loving me, being there for me, faithful to me. And no matter what I go through, There's ultimate victory. Amen? It's not just about healing. It's not just about jobs being changed. It's about total victory. There will be redemption. There will be salvation for our families. Maybe we have to go through this so that they can be saved. I don't know. But there's always total victory. Let's spend a moment of quietness. We do that, every one of you, before we close. You know, at this season, God wants to say to us, continue to put your hope in Him. And you will see breakthroughs. You will see He's a good God. And you will marvel at His love for us. We will begin to say, why am I so foolish even to doubt God's love? What can I trust in that will never change? Only God's love can never change. You know, I just was thinking about this and I said Lord how can I be ever ashamed of someone who proved his love to me that while I was a hopeless sinner who never even really cared about God God came and died for me how can I ever be ashamed of a God that even when I'm faithless he remains faithful how can I ever be ashamed of a God that's going to be finally so victorious that when he comes in power and glory Everybody else who doesn't know him will be ashamed. How can I be ashamed of him right now? Amen. Amen. Just let the Lord speak to us all. And you know, today, even as you say, "Lord, I want to stand firm in my faith in you. I don't want to be ashamed of you." Just, just put up your hands—not not towards me—but I just felt that God wanted us to lift our hands up to Him. And you know i just felt this god wants you to be the, you know our faith is small but god is good amen life is tough but god is faithful he will see you through as you put up your hands god's grace will come upon you he will see you through whatever the situation whatever it is that makes you wobble in your faith god is faithful father lord even as these hands are raised towards you even as my hands are raised towards you even if I remain faith, if I'm faithless, you will always remain faithful because that's who you are. Father, I thank you. You will hold our hands. You will hold our faith. Even when we're discouraged, you're going to bring love into our hearts. You're going to speak to us. You're going to, uh, we're going to hear your voice. At the whisper of your name, you will silence the wind and the waves and the storms in our life. And we know, Lord, that they that put their hope in You will never be put to You. Father, as we see our hands lifted up, no matter what we may be losing hope in, Father, You will see us, You will give us faith to even come out next year, even stronger, even more victorious. Father, we rejoice that this season is called Emmanuel. God always with us. So Father, even as You send us out this week to even invite our friends for Christmas, We will not be ashamed of telling them, I'm a believer. I put my hope in a living God who loves me. So Father, send us out with this good news. For it is the power, this news is the power of God for the saving of many more lives. We thank you, Lord, for this season. And may we really be reminded we have a great God, a good God, a loving God. And now may you separate us with a full anchoring in the love of God our Father the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit which will always remind us that our God is a victorious God. And all God's people shout, Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: God bless you.
0: Amen.